You can open up a copy of the scriptures if you have one to the book of Galatians. Uh, that's where we're going to be here in just a few minutes. Uh, I'll tell you where more specifically uh, when we arrive at it. But I want to share a few things before we uh, get into this text. Several things actually. Uh, but I want to say a special welcome to you if you're a guest with us. I saw some of you got to meet a few of you already. Uh, but if you're a guest with us, especially if you live here locally and you may be looking to just know more about the Lord in general or about our church specifically, uh, we want to know how grateful we are that you're here and how we want to be of service to you however we can. A way you could help us know who you are, that you're here, and help us to be able to reach back out to you would be to fill out a little connection card. If you got a program, on the back of it, there's a paper version you could fill out. Uh, sometime this morning, take it back with you into the lobby and take a left out there. There's a counter where some folks will be who'd love to talk to you, or you can do it digitally as well. Just follow that QR code or this one up here and you can fill it out, but we're grateful you're here. A uh, couple of Sundays from now, uh, as the school year's starting back up, we're starting back up a monthly thing we do for folks who are newer to the church. We call Coffee with the Pastors. Uh, it's the third Sunday night of most months, so that'll be two weeks from today at six o'clock if you'd like to come back for that. Uh, some of us pastors will be here and we'd love to just more relationally get to know you, share some about our church, but that'll be a couple Sundays from now. I also want to say a thank you as usual for your generosity as individuals, couples, as families. Uh, thank you for your generosity to our church and the mission that we're on, that God has given to us in our community and around the world. We just closed out our fiscal year uh, this past week and are starting a new one. So I just wanted to encourage you uh, to seek to continue to be generous, help us to start this fiscal year well. Uh, we're trying to do some new things, expand in some ways, but also to always be responsible and fiscally wise, be good stewards of what the Lord gives us. So thank you for your generosity and, and look forward to seeing how God uses that in uh, the months ahead. And then two individuals I wanted to honor before we turn to today's text. One, I didn't tell her I was going to do this, and I'm not going to make her stand up. Um, but we have a staff member uh, who is moving off of staff. Uh, she just finished up, uh, Lexi Cook. Many of you know her. Uh, a sister in our church here has served the last few years uh, here. Her and her husband Malachi are expecting their first child even within the next few weeks. So you can be praying for them and the safe delivery of their daughter. And they're actually, uh, Lord willing, going to be moving uh, down near to Indianapolis to live closer to family. And so leaving staff, going to be uh, leaving our church. But I, do, I wanted us in just a moment to uh, thank her by way of applause, um, but also to thank God that we have another member of our church, Heather Kaufman, uh, who's going to be sliding in to help with children's ministry, uh, and then Jenna Eaton, who's been helping in children's ministry, is going to slide into Lexi's role. So as, as the Lord is moving uh, Lexi and Malachi on, he continues to provide for us. So I want us to thank the Lord and thank Lexi for her as she gets ready to depart, so we're grateful for you. And then the other person I wanted to, to honor is uh, Pastor Jake. Uh, he, I didn't tell him I was going to do this either. It was very fun for me, <laughs> more than that, but fun for me to get to go to youth camp this week and get to witness, you all didn't get to be there and see it, but get to witness the various ways that God has gifted him and the way that he uses those gifts to minister to our students and our family and our church body here. We know that, but to get to see how God used it even beyond uh, with students from other churches and the joy that he brings, the, uh, he from pretty much from sun up to sundown was serving various roles. Uh, some were asked of him, some he just voluntarily did. But uh, as you, if you know him, he, he's full of life, uh, full of, of levity, um, brings humor to situations. But it's wonderful to see that, but also with the weightiness and the seriousness to, to not just dumb down things for students and think that they're not capable of understanding. We get to preach the word. Uh, his sermon on uh, Monday night like moved my heart to, to understand the Father's love 
for me, uh, his compassion upon me. So he ministered to me, ministered to many uh, students and our parents. I wanted to publicly thank him uh, together with you for his service. It was very sweet to see. And if any of you have students, middle and high schoolers that go to camp, uh, I would encourage you to come. Uh, there's a culture at that camp, it's kind of unusual, but of parents coming. It's really sweet to get to do. And you can get to glimpse some of the things I'm alluding to uh, that, that Jake gets, Pastor Jake gets to do there at the camp. All right. If you found Galatians chapter 6, you can turn more specifically to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And I'll, I'll share some of why we're going to read this text and uh, hopefully uh, bring it to bear on us as individuals and on our church community. But I, I want to introduce this text and this subject with a story that I was reminded of as I was reading this week. Uh, it happened back in 2016, so not real long ago, in the city of Cozumel, Mexico. Uh, there was a race, a triathlon race, a really big race uh, called the World Triathlon Series, and near the end of it, some of you may have seen this video several years ago, it kind of went viral back then, uh, and uh, it was brought back to my mind this week, uh, but there was this young man named Johnny Brownlee, who was one of the contestants in the triathlon, and uh, near the very end of the race, so I think you swim, and then you bike, and then you run, so near the very end of the run, as he was getting closer to the finish line, there's video, if you look it up, you'll see this, uh, of this man, he was in the lead. Uh, he was a decent bit ahead of all the other competitors, but his body was clearly in bad shape. You can tell he had been pushing himself so hard that he was, I'm not even going to try to reenact it, but it was like staggering around. Uh, you could tell he just wasn't with it. Like it just seemed like he was about to just collapse. But he was trying in his confusion and days to keep pressing on toward the end, uh, just staggering down um, the, the racetrack. Uh, but then you see behind him these two, if you watch the video, you see these two other racers that are almost side by side. So they would have been in second and third coming up behind him. Uh, and it was interesting to me the difference in how they responded to the guy that was in first. Uh, one of them just blew right by him and just ran to the finish line and he won and he's gloating and proud as he finishes first uh, but the other the man who I think he had been in third uh, but he and the second place were side by side it was going to be very close uh, if they passed this man but that man the other contestant uh, in the race he stopped uh, right as he was getting near to the end of this finish he stopped and he, he came over to this, this guy who was staggering, and he kind of put his, his uh, neck under this man's shoulder and, and helped him, carried him along, essentially, helped keep moving this man along to the finish line. Uh, he helped him that remaining distance. And then as they got to the finish line, he even... Uh, it sounds funny, but he like shoved uh, that contestant ahead of him so that he would finish second. And then he finished third. He had a chance to win. Uh, he could have potentially won, but he gave up his chance to be able to serve this man. And what makes this story extra sweet is that he was actually, and I think as part of why he stopped, is that it was his brother. Uh, they, these two men were contestants representing Great Britain. Uh, ben will be proud of that. I got a fist pump from him. They were representing uh, Great Britain. Uh, but he stopped. Uh, his brother Alistair stopped. Uh, to carry his brother to the finish line. And uh, to me, and watching that video, and I think this will be true of all of you, that man's race and how he finished it was much more impressive than the guy who finished first. 
and the guy who was gloating about how he won, right? The, the selfless service of a sibling. And that, I share that story because I think it's a really clear, powerful example of how when our siblings are hurting, when there's some sort of burden that's upon them, that we have a responsibility to aid them, right? Even if it costs us. Like when our siblings are hurting, when they have burdens that are made known to us, that are evident to us, we have a responsibility to aid them even if it costs us. And I would say even more, we should expect that it will cost us. Right? That should be an expectation of us as fellow Christians, as we have brothers and sisters who are running the race of life with us, is that we will see them bearing burdens, that we will see them stumbling. They're going to see us stumbling sometimes. And when we see that, we don't just run by one another thinking it's noble to just keep running to the finish. But we stop and we aid, we help them bear the burden that is theirs. And this, this Sunday, uh, we're going to continue what we started last Sunday. If you're here with us, it's wonderful. If you weren't, I'll catch you up to speed just really briefly. But we're sharing a, a handful of sermons, four sermons. This is the second one that we're just calling the series Community. And the reason we're doing it is because we're trying to retool, if you want to use that verb, and then relaunch what our church for years has called life groups. We're trying to retool those and relaunch them this fall under the name of community groups. And uh, if you're on our church email list, I sent out an email last night. Uh, sometimes they're a little slow in coming when we send them out to hundreds of people. So if it didn't get to you last night, it should today. Uh, but an email was sent out that provided some overview of how we're going to try to structure those groups. And there will be more information to come. There will be opportunity even as we get toward the end of the month and into September for you to be able to express your interest in joining a group. Or if you're already in a group, to be able to let us know that you'd like to continue. Uh, but I shared last Sunday, just very simply, how we're imagining the purpose of those groups. As we move forward in the life of the church, and want all of us, as many as possibly in these groups, the purpose of them, we stated this way, is to provide a consistent context in which members can personally stir each other up in faith and spur each other on in obedience to Christ. That, in a nutshell, is what we're going to seek to have these groups do and be, is a consistent context where the members of that group can spur each other on personally and can, uh, uh, can stir each other up, both in faith and in obedience. And what we shared last Sunday, and you're going to see how these sermons kind of build around these ideas, is we shared that in these groups, instead of having a curriculum that we work through or a book we have you study or something like that, uh, the, the curriculum, if you want to call it that, that we're going to try to have group members discuss each week as they gather is this. We're going to have each group member come each Sunday, or it could be another day of the week, uh, come each week with one of four things. And you may sometimes have more than one. You may get to share these. You may not, depending on how the group goes. But we want every time the group gathers for us to come with one of these things, either a celebration to share. That's what we talked about last Sunday. What we're going to talk about this Sunday is how we can come with a care to unburden, something that has been weighing on me that I want to share with the group for the sake of care and prayer for myself. The third would be counsel that you're seeking, a situation that you're facing that you need input. You need counsel from your brothers and sisters about from the scriptures. And the fourth one would be, and we save this to last because it may be the hardest for us and the least natural to us, that you could come with a confession to make, uh, with, with an, a, a willingness to share a way that you have struggled, a way that you've even uh, fallen into sin in recent days that you wanted to confess to the group. And so we've, we're taking these one by one. Uh, last Sunday we talked about celebration 
Galatians, how if you were with us, we look at Acts chapter 2 in a section there in those very earliest examples of Christians. Uh, we saw how they functioned in community, and we said this, that community should be marked. It should be marked by a regular celebration of God's goodness and grace. That should be part of what we're doing in groups, uh, in worship services, in any gathering of Christians is celebrating God's goodness, celebrating God's grace, like professing those things to each other. But this week, as we turn the, the corner, turn the page of this second thing we'd like groups to be doing, people to be sharing in groups, these cares to unburden, the way I would summarize this message that we're going to see from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, would just simply be this, that Christian community should be marked by a mutual bearing of one another's burdens. That's essentially what Paul's going to say verbatim here. Uh, but that Christian community should be marked by a mutual bearing of one another's burdens. Uh, that, that should mark any form of Christian community that we have. And so we're going to turn our attention now to this short verse. It's a short but a significant passage here in the book that we call Galatians, chapter 6, verse 2. It's just a single sentence, um, but I think it has much to say to us, that the Spirit of God has much to communicate to us through this text. So I'm going to read this uh, here in just a second. But So Galatians, if you don't know what it is, just so we know where in the world we are, are in the Bible. Galatians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches in this area called Galatia. And his primary concern in this letter, and we actually went through this a couple years ago, if you were with us, but I don't expect you to remember that per se. Uh, his primary concern as he writes to the Galatians was that uh, he is correcting these false teachers who had started to essentially try to correct what he had told this church. He had told them, Salvation comes to you by faith in Jesus alone. But these false teachers were starting to say, yeah, Paul, like Paul, he taught us rightly that faith is important. It's essential, but you need faith plus works. You need faith in Christ plus to keep the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow these dietary laws. You need to be all these things if you're going to essentially maintain what Jesus has gained for you. And Paul puts these teachers on blast. He is correcting them. He did, this is probably his firmest, hardest letter that he writes. Uh, he does not mince words. And he is telling them that is wrong. What I told you at first is absolutely 100% true that salvation comes only by faith in Christ. Yes, we're to obey, but our salvation does not depend upon our obedience. And so he dismantles that false gospel and to this church that is tempted at following the example of these leaders to heap burdens onto each other to say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you guys need to, if you're a serious Christian, you need to do this. To this community that's tempted to heap burdens onto each other, hear what Paul says instead to them in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, he continued his letter writing this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. May he bless preaching of his word. So I told you it's a simple, short sentence, but it has much to say. The Apostle Paul, as he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's like he's saying to them, if I was going to translate this, he's telling them, if you Galatians want a law to keep, keep this. 
Like if you want a law to follow, to feel bound to do, let it be this law, the law of Christ. That is what you are to do. This law that fleshes out in the bearing of burdens. May that be the law that you keep. When he refers to the law of Christ, I'll I'll briefly explain what he means here in verse 2. And then I want to flesh this out for how this comes to bear upon us as individual Christians and us as Christian community. When he talks about the law of Christ, you may wonder, what is that? Like what is he talking about? That's a term you see sometimes in the New Testament, but it's not incredibly frequent. Um, but what Paul's talking about when he refers to the law of Christ, that Christians in Galatia or in Winona Lake are supposed to fulfill, that we're supposed to live out, is what some call the law of love. It was something that he taught his disciples most explicitly on the night he was about to be betrayed and arrested and then crucified. There's this statement that many of you are very familiar with. It's from John chapter 13, verse 34. And the apostle John recorded this. He would have been there in the room when Jesus said this to them. That night as he was about to be betrayed and arrested, Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And then he added this, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I think that is what, when Paul talks about the law of Christ, I think this is what he's talking about. That, that, uh, that Jesus commanded his disciples and by extension commands us to love one another just as he has loved us. This is the law of Christ. And in reality, Paul tells the Galatians through the rest of this letter, that's really what the law, even the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, has always really been about. Anyways, the chapter right before this, chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 14, if you bump your eyes up there, he had told them the whole law, the whole Old Testament law that you all want to follow and lay upon each other like a burden. He says that whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying like that's the summary of it. That's the essence and core of the Old Testament law is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's even a direct quote from it, from Leviticus 19, verse 18. And so he's been telling, Paul's been telling this church, if you all want to keep the law of God, the way you do it is by obeying that law of Christ, that you love one another as he has loved us. Those teachers at Galatia were so focused on external rule keeping and laying burdens on people with these external rules that they had missed the more internal, the more fundamental aim that the law had of of changing our heart, calling us to love from within, not just to obey without. And what was different now, now that Jesus had come, that was not true back in Moses' day when that law had originally come, What's true with this law of Christ now is two things. Why they, actually, why they and why we are actually able to do this, actually able to love in the way that Christ has loved us is because, one, we have the example of Christ, right? He told them that night, as I loved you, you also are to love one another. So we have the perfect example already lived out for us, right? We don't have to just look around at our brothers and sisters right in front of us and say, who's the best example of love? I'm gonna follow them. But we have the perfect example of love in Jesus Christ to look at how did he live? How did he treat people? How did he speak? So we have the uh, the perfect example to follow. But the key difference even that makes us actually able to do this, actually able to love each other rightly, love each other well, is that we have the power Power of the Holy Spirit. You read through Galatians, and Paul says that again and again and again. He's saying those Old Testament saints, they had the law. They had the command that they were supposed to love each other, but they didn't do it, and they couldn't do it. 
But he's saying what's different for you, Galatians, and what's different for you, Hoosiers, what's different for us is that we, if we're united with Jesus, we have the Spirit of God within us. We don't just have a law outside of us to coldly follow, but we have the Spirit of God within us to change our hearts, who's made us into these new people who actually can love one another. And so in Galatians 6, 2 here, he tells people to bear each other's burdens. He's saying that that is the primary way you fulfill this law of Christ, this command of Jesus to love one another, the primary way, or at least a primary way that you can do that. To my fellow Christians in this room, a primary way you can fulfill the law of Christ is to bear other Christians' burdens. That is how we love. Uh, that is how this law of Christ is lived out. If you see this word burdens here, it is a very general word on purpose. Uh, Paul is just talking about anything here in verse 2. Anything in the life of a Christian, a life of a fellow Christian that weighs them down. Anything that crushes them or oppresses them, anything that weighs them down, that is what a burden is. And this includes sin. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. We're going to talk two Sundays from now some more about how do we help each other when we're caught in sin, when we're trapped in sin and we're confessing those things. What do we do with that? That is a burden, right, that we bear. But this word in verse 2, and he talks about that actually in verse 1. But here in verse 2, he uses a much more general term, burdens. It includes sin, but it's much broader than that. It's anything that weighs them down. Burdens in their life, burdens in your life, burdens in the group of your community group members could include all sorts of things, right? These burdens could be, I was just thinking this week, these could be relational burdens, like strained relationships. They could be emotional burdens, that they carry. They could be psychological burdens that they carry. They could be social burdens that they carry. They could be financial burdens. They could be physical burdens, ailments, sicknesses, disease, diagnoses, medical burdens. This could include mistreatment from others. It could include shame or guilt. It could include anxiety. It could include worry. It could include conflict. It could include grief. It could include all sorts of things. It doesn't take us long as we just think within our own life, what have been things that have weighed me down to think those are similar things that weigh others down. These things that just gnaw on us, that weigh on us, that keep us pressed down. And Paul tells them very simply, matter-of-factly, that as Christians we are to help each other bear those things. That we're not to ignore them, we're not to just walk by them, we are to bear them. And that just means what you think it means, right? If you see somebody carrying something heavy, I am a weak guy. If you see me carrying something that's too heavy for me, I would greatly appreciate it if you give me a second shoulder or a third shoulder or whatever to help me carry that thing. You've had that before, right? When you're trying to do something that you can't quite physically do, you need somebody to bear that with you, to come up under it, to help lift it with you. We all know the relief that comes from that, right? When you're, you're feeling crushed, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to make it where I need to go. When you hear somebody say, can I give you a hand? Or let me help you with that. That is such a relief. That is bearing a burden. But burden bearing cannot be very well done, I would suggest to you, by strangers. And it can't be very well done in a crowd, right? It's much more personal than that. Like bearing somebody's burdens with them is a very personal thing, a very vulnerable thing. And that's part of why, and as we think of church life and our church life here, we want to embed this idea of burden bearing into community groups, 
Not just, we can do that in gatherings like this, but the best way that we can do that, that we even know they exist and that we can practically help is to do it in the context of community. People we actually know that we're consistently talking to, sharing with. Uh, so burden bearing can be done in broader contexts, but it's best done in smaller contexts like community groups. So from this text, I want to give you two really simple exhortations, this command to bear one another's burdens. I want to give you two exhortations uh, that I I will seek to obey and follow myself that each of us can seek to do uh, in our own lives, in our own context as well. And they're very simple. The first one is going to be to share your burdens. And the second one that we'll get to in a little bit is to bear others' burdens. So first is going to be to share your burdens. The second eventually is going to be to bear others' burdens. And so I wanted to start first with this very personal command to you as an individual to share your burdens, to have a willingness as you're in a community group to share your burdens. We are very reluctant to do this uh, in our culture. I don't know what it's like in other places, but we are very hesitant often, at least generally speaking, to share our burdens with other Christians. There's a lot of reasons why we don't do that, I think. There's, there's temptations that we face of why we don't share our burdens. I'll just mention a few briefly. Uh, I think, I mean, how many times, maybe you have said something like this. I guarantee you have heard people say this. I hear people say this even within our church, and I, I want to free you from ever saying this again, this statement where we say, I really don't want to be a burden, but... And then we share something. It's like we caveat it, right? Like, man, I'm about to share this thing, but I really don't want to be a burden to you. I I don't want it to be an inconvenience to you, right? I think part of why we say things like that or why people maybe say things like that to us is that for all sorts of reasons, we think that we're going to bother people, right? Like we think that we may, if I really share this thing, we may think I'm going to overwhelm these people. I'm going to overwhelm this person. They're not going to know what to do. So we start to feel like there's parts of our life that we need to just carry ourselves and never really pull out to share with people because we think we're going to bother or overwhelm them. Or we may have fear in our hearts that these people, if they hear what I'm struggling with, that they're going to judge me or that they're going to be repelled by me even. Like that they're going to want to stay away from me or that they may be annoyed by me. Or we may fear, based on past experience, that if I share this thing with them in confidence, that they're going to go publicize this to others, right? That, that if I, I share this, it's going to be known by everyone. And there's all these reasons that we stack up in our minds and hearts that keep us from sharing. And we, I want to acknowledge uh, to any of us in the room that vulnerability is dangerous in some ways. It's risky, Right? Like to be able to share with other people, this is what is hurting me, this is what is hard for me. There are a lot of ways that could go wrong, but there are a lot of ways it can go right as well. There's a lot of ways that God can use that as a means of grace to you uh, when you share those things with others. I think the last reason maybe that we don't share our burdens, that we don't put them out on the table for people, is that we think we're the only one that has burdens. We think that we're an anomaly, that somehow we're different. I think part of that is because of of social media and things like that, especially for younger folks, as we see all the good that's happening in everybody else's life, and rarely do we see the bad. Like, people don't plaster that out in public, and so we build up this idea that everybody's life is just sweet. And mine's the only one. Am I the only one that's sad? Like, am I the only one that's having a hard time? Am I the only one that's feeling alone? Am I the only one that has these burdens? But hear this text. 
bear one another's burdens. That implies we all have them, right? Like you are not an anomaly if you have burdens. Uh, You are not an anomaly. We all have them. And we can all try to keep them in our backpacks or keep them on our own shoulders and not put them out there, but that doesn't mean they go away, right? We, We can deny that they're there, but they are. And so there's a lot of reasons we don't, but let me share a few reasons of why we should share, why you should share your burdens with others, with fellow Christians. The first reason why I would say that you should share your burdens, that you should have courage and willingness to do that, is that you were not made to bear burdens alone. None of us were. Like, none of us were made to just live isolated individual lives. And when hardship comes, when things start to weigh us down, none of us were intended to live with that on our own, to bear that on our own. God made us, I will acknowledge, he made us to help other people, right? But he made us in such a way where we need help as well, right? Like, sometimes we glory in the fact I can help other people, and we're reluctant to acknowledge that I need help from them. But that is how God made us, as able to provide help, but always in need of help. The Apostle Paul, the same guy who wrote this letter, when he wrote to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talked about the church as a body, right? Like, as we're all these members of a body, body parts that are connected. And he said that God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Then hear this, he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Uh, When you have in your body, like let's say you stub your toe or something like that, the rest of your body doesn't just move on, right? And be like, oh, that's too bad for the toe, right? Like you, you stop. That's the very nature of how God has made us. You stop and you need, if you need to get some ice or something, your hands go to the ice bucket and get it. Or if you're in a pinch, like you maybe get your hand out to make a call or something if you have a really bad injury, like all of your body responds to the pains and the burdens of one part of it, right? We're not compartmentalized. We are one unit. We were made that way. We were knit together that way as a church where we all need one another. And when one suffers, all suffer. When one is honored, all rejoice, right? Another reason why we should be willing to share this, and I hope this is true in our church, and may it ever be increasingly true in our church, is that the common, the common ground that we have in our community groups is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what bonds us together, and that good news of Jesus provides us with a baseline of safety, right? Like that, that we all know individually, because of the work of Christ, we have come to God. We are accepted by God. We are proved by him, burdens and all. Like we have his favor. We have his delight over us. And so we can know when we come together then, we all, to a person, have the favor of God. We are secure with him. And so that enables us to be vulnerable, to share, this is my struggle, this is my hurt, and it may be hard for you all to digest, but it's not hard for God to digest. Like, he loves me, he's for me, he's with me, and we all know that about one another. It provides this baseline of safety relationally for us, because none of us are burdenless, right? We all come to the Lord with burdens on our back, and he receives us, and that's what enables us to receive one another. The last reason I would say of why you should share your burdens would be this, is that sharing your burdens, when you muster the courage to share this, this is what is hard for me, this is what's going on in my life, it actually encourages and motivates other people to do the same. 
right? Like when some, you may be part of a group. You may be part of a group right now. You may have been part of a group historically. You may be part of a group in the future that is reluctant to do this thing of bearing burdens, of sharing, this is what's going on in my life. This is what hurts. This is what's painful for me. You may be part of a group that struggles to do that, but the solution to that, if you are part of a group that struggles to open up about your burdens and to to unpack them with one another, the solution to that is not to join them in that reluctance, right? It's not to just reinforce that reluctance, to share, to say, you know what? We're called to do this. I need this. Like, and whether you all realize it or not, you need this as well. So I'm going to break the ice. I'm going to crash the glass. I'm going to, whatever metaphor you want to use, like, I'm going to start this. And I don't know how you all <laughs> respond to this, but I need this. And I want you guys to know me. I want you to know what I'm going through because I need help. And so when we do that, when we share our burdens, when we unpack them, it encourages other people to do the same. I'm not going to name individuals in this church, but there have been some of you who've been an example of that to me. Now, the whatever it is, 13 years that I've been part of this church, I came to this church in 2010 very reluctant to do this type of thing. I don't know exactly why, but I didn't. I was thinking as a staff member, as a pastor, I can't like bear burdens before people. I can't share things that are hard in my life. But you all have been examples to me. Many of you who are in this room right now have been examples to me of saying, this is the hard stuff I'm dealing with right now that I need God's help for. And it has motivated me to do the same. You've been an example to me to do that. So sharing your burdens can encourage others to do the same. The third thing I want to share under this idea of sharing your burdens before we think about bearing others, the last thing is just real practically a few simple things is how we should share our burdens. Like what should we keep in mind as we share those things? I want to share a couple of thoughts. One is don't wait until you reach a boiling point. Don't wait until you are literally just crushed under the weight of this thing, utterly incapable of standing up. Uh, your burdens, you don't need to like constantly be doing calculus in your head of how does my burden like compare to this person's burden? Is like mine the, the worst one? Because I'm going to wait till it's the worst one till I kind of put it out on the table. You should have a willingness. I would encourage you to keep short accounts on this. Like when you're having burdens, make them known to people. Make them known to the brothers and sisters in your group. The poet George Herbert wrote this once. He said that light burdens long born grow heavy the light burdens long born grow heavy and i've seen that true in my life you've probably seen that in your life as well the longer we keep it on our back and don't talk to people and we're the only one bearing under it it doesn't get lighter typically it gets heavier and heavier uh, as it stays in darkness so don't wait till you're at a boiling point then also as you finally do share these things Please do more than just share it as a prayer request in just some simple matter-of-fact way. Like, hey guys, I'm really having a hard time with this. And just give it a sentence or two and think that's sufficient. When we're to bear one another's burdens, I think what we should be striving for is that we share how this thing is actually affecting me personally. Not just the, the facts of it, not just this is what happened, boom, boom, boom. But this is how this is impacting me. This is how this is tempting me. This is how this is bothering me. Like we need to know who you are. We need to know how this is impacting you. So please share it as much as you can in a personal way, a way that just doesn't reveal the facts of the case, but that shows how it's actually affecting you as a person. The last practical thing I want to say on this front is just a word to the men of our church. In particular, I was thinking about this a lot. In general, this is not universally true. 
In general, I think females are much better at obeying this verse than we are. Like they, in general, are more quick to make their burdens known, to share those, to sympathize with one another. We men stink at this. Like we, we try, I'm getting some nods from the ladies in the room, so that makes me feel good like I'm saying it. This is true. Like we stink at this. Like we have convinced ourselves, I don't know if it's as Americans or as just men in general or what it is, but we are very reluctant to share our burdens. We try to pretend and pretend and pretend that they don't exist or that if they are, they're small and they're not really bothering us and we can, we can deal with it ourselves. We struggle to do this. I would encourage the men of our church, and I want to look in the mirror on this as well, to try to do the, the hard work of self-understanding of trying to, to not just go through the, the mechanics of life and just go to the next thing, but actually do some introspection, <laughs> actually think, what is bothering me? Like, what is hard in my life right now? How could I share this with the friends that are part of my group? Remember, Galatians was written by a man, right, uh, to a church that was comprised probably of half men or so, and he was a good example of this. You read the letter he wrote that we call Second Corinthians, Read the first chapter of that. He bore his soul to these people, right? As an apostle, he's saying, I despaired of life itself. Like, I don't want you to be unaware of the struggles that I'm going through. Like, he set a model of this, and we ought to follow suit. Masculinity is not stoicism, right? Masculinity is not an absence of weakness or struggle or burden. And when we set a picture of that for our sons or for the other men in our group, we are presenting a false picture of what masculinity is. Uh, strength as a man is not an absence of burden right it's a willingness to bring those burdens to Christ and to his people and let him give me strength let him give me comfort so men may we be examples may we be models of this and join our sisters in seeking to bear each other's burdens so that was the first thing. The second one, uh, the first one was to share your burdens. The, the second point from this text, and it's much more explicit and straightforward, is to bear others' burdens, right? That, that we're to share ours. If they're going to bear our burdens, we have to actually share it. But when people share their burdens with us, we are, based on this text, to bear them with them. That we're to bear those burdens with them. So I'm going to follow the three simple points I did with the first one of why we don't, why we should, how we should. So why don't we do this? Why don't we bear each other's burdens? I, th- I think there are various reasons. One, just very simply, maybe that we don't know what their burdens are, right? See point number one. If we, if we don't know the other people's burdens, sometimes we don't know. Like we don't know what's going on in their life. And so we can't bear those burdens with them. Uh, but I think a, a main reason, I know this is true of men. Maybe it's true of sisters in the room as well. I think another reason we don't bear burdens of our fellow Christians is that we don't naturally feel empathetic toward them. Right? Like they share something heavy, they share something weighty, something painful that's pressing them down. And what arises from us naturally is not a sense of empathy or a sense of wanting to enter into that. There's a, a pastor and author named Dane Ortland uh, who wrote the book Gentle and Lowly. Some of you know that book. He wrote this sentence. I remember reading this and just thinking, man, I had to stop and chew on this. He said this He said, fallen emotions not only sinfully overreact, they also sinfully underreact. 
I, I think that's very true in Christian community. Sometimes we look at people who we think, oh, they just overreact to everything. Like their emotions are a wreck. Like, Lord, help them. And we think that's the only way that emotions can go awry. But fallen humanity also deals with an under-response, an under-felt uh, sense of empathy with our, our fellow sufferers, our fellow Christians. And so we may not naturally feel empathetic toward them, but that doesn't mean we're absolved of responsibility to bear their burdens with them. We must pray for that, for the Lord's help to feel things with them. Other reasons we may find it inconvenient to bear their burdens, right? It's going to cost me, just like it cost that runner. It cost him the chance to win. Uh, bearing burdens of this person may feel inconvenient to me. I think another reason that goes along with that, that we don't bear each other's burdens, is that we're so consumed with our own burdens, right? That we don't think I have time or capacity to help with theirs. You all know that I love Charles Spurgeon. He used a, a visual image, a metaphor that uh, was impactful to me as I was reading and prepping for this. He talked about how if we just live with, he said, if we just live within our own ribs, it's like we're living in a dungeon. And he was talking about, man, if, if my view of problems and of life never <laughs> expands beyond my own rib cage, I'm just caring about what I feel and what's going on in me, that is a dungeon. Like that is not how, that's not living in freedom. That's living trapped in your own small world and you are not living with the eyes and the heart that the Lord intends for you to, to look out for others. Think about what is going on in their life. So there's many reasons we don't bear each other's burdens, but I want to share why we should, why we should bear each other's burdens. The simplest answer I could give you of why you should bear the burdens of other people uh, in your community group and in our church, the simplest reason would be that Jesus tells you to, right? Like Galatians, Paul, uh, under the authority of Christ here in Galatians 6, tells you to, <laughs> tells me to. That should be sufficient, right? Uh, just the word of Christ and the word of his apostles. We're commanded in all sorts of other texts to do this very thing. Paul wrote to the Romans and told them, rejoice with those who rejoice, which we love doing that. And he said, to weep with those who weep. Like, that should be sufficient, right? Is that Jesus tells you to. So the command of Christ should compel you to. But more than that, I want to spend a few minutes trying to, to, to share with you that I think the heart of Christ toward that struggler should compel you to bear their burden. Not just the command of Christ, but the heart of Christ toward that person should compel you to bear their burden. Think for a moment the things that either Jesus said about himself or the things that were said about him and his heart towards sufferers, his heart toward burden bearers. Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, listen to the language of this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? And then later he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, I, and yet, like, in me you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, when he saw heavy laden people, he didn't say, stay away from me. He said, come to me. Like that was his heart was to, to take their burden upon himself, to, to bear it with them. His heart was for burden bearers. We've gone through Hebrews this last school year. Hebrews chapter 4, we learned that Jesus, part of why he became a human being, why God the Son became a human being, was so that he could sympathize with us in our weakness, right? He had burdens that he would bear, 
right? He had mistreatment and pains and hunger and uh, those sorts of things that he had to deal with. And he's able to sympathize with us when we bear uh, burdens ourselves. And the last text I want to share of, of the heart of Jesus toward sinners, and someone even shared this at a youth camp this week, and it, it brought it to mind. It's, it's stated originally in Isaiah chapter 42, speaking about this Messiah that would come and his attitude toward the hurting. It said, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Like, so it's this idea of people who are hurting, like who are this bruised reed that's about to topple over. He's not going to see it as worthless and just snap it off and throw it away. Or this candle that just has a smoldering wick, he's not just going to snuff it out and say, done with you. Like he attends to them. He cares for them. He values them, right? And so the heart of Christ toward sufferers, the heart of Christ toward burden bearers, if you have any ounce of love in your heart for Christ and you see his love for them, may you follow suit, Right? We cannot, I think, cannot call ourselves Christians if we don't share his heart for the hurting, or if we don't share his heart for those who are burdened. And so may the heart, the command of Christ compel us, but may the heart of Christ even more towards burden bearers, may that compel us. It is a deep honor to be used by Jesus to care for people who are bearing burdens. He could just do it directly, Right? But he does it through us. It is a deep honor to be used by him to care for others. And there's great benefit that comes to them as we do. And so those things should compel us to uh, bear burdens with him. The last point I want to share is how we should do that. How do we bear burdens uh, of our fellow Christians? I want to share a few simple words of, of application. Then I'll close and we'll sing a last song. So how do we do this? In our community groups or in other contexts, how do we bear burdens? First, I would say that you should do so with gentleness and with humility. And I get that from the verses. If we had more time, I'd read verses 1 and 3 to you, the verses right around this. Verse 1, he tells them uh, to address each other with gentleness. As they're dealing with hard things in their life, he says, don't do it brashly, harshly, but do it with gentleness. And then in verse 3, it's like he's correcting this temptation to pridefulness that could grow in them. He says, like, if you think you're something... Uh, that he says, if you think you're something, that you are nothing, really, and you're deceiving yourself. So don't think you are the most important member of this group, that everybody should just listen to you, be attentive to them, have gentleness, have humility as people bear their burdens before you. On a very practical level, I would say this. I'd encourage you, as you're in context of group, is to try your best to be attuned to people who may be slow to disclose their burdens. Right, Because a lot of times people aren't willing to do this at first. They're not willing to share and they'll be content to just sit in a group forever and never unpack their burdens, never bring them out. Seek as a person who knows the scriptures and knows fellow human beings and you know they have burdens. Try to be attentive even before they're ready to share them. Be attentive to when they might be struggling, when they're quiet or when they're distant. or when. Don't just wait for them to, to bring it out. Seek to ask them. Ask simple things, not in a weird, awkward way, but ask, how are you really doing? Like if they're just offering the pet, oh, I'm good, everything's fine. Try to at least open the door and say, how are you really doing? Like what, what is going on in your life? I'd like to know. 
Invite sharing. Proverbs 20, verse 5, talks about uh, the heart of a man being like deep waters. And it says that a man of understanding can draw it out. There's effort sometimes that come, that it takes to ask questions and to patiently seek uh, to show people that you are genuinely interested in what is going on in their life. But I would say this, as you try to ask questions, don't be strange or manipulative or like persistent where you're just pestering them. Uh, People sometimes need time and they definitely need trust uh, to be willing to share things that are going on in their life. So be attuned to people who may be slow to disclose their burdens. But when they do, when somebody shares something with you or with the group, I would encourage you very simply to be a good listener uh, to listen well to them. Don't just jump to solutions right away. Don't just, certainly don't just jump to platitudes, like Christian platitudes, like, Lord's in control, everything will be fine, all ends well in the end. Like, those things are true, but those things can diffuse people, and it's going to make them never want to share again. <laughs> like, if you don't truly listen to them, acknowledge the pain that they're going through, right? Job's friends, if, you ever, if you've been around church much, Job's friends get a terrible rap because uh, they were kind of bad friends in some ways. But they did one thing very right. If you go back and read Job chapter 2, when their friend Job has had so much stripped away from him, grief, unimaginable burdens would be an understatement for him. How they started as friends was actually really good. Uh, the Job 2, 11 through 13, it says this, that these friends with sweet names, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Uh, These guys, as Job's friends, it says, they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. Hear this. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. That is powerful. Uh, these guys messed up in some ways as time went on, but they started strong. And they, that story shows us, man, the way when people unburden themselves, when they share things, we should not be quick to speak, right? We should be slow to speak and quick to listen, James says. We should be willing to ask questions, to try to draw them out. So be a good listener as an individual and as a group. And I would say to make sure that you prioritize empathy over efficiency, Empathy over efficiency. I think the Industrial Revolution was wonderful, but I think it has ruined us in some ways as human beings where we just think of speed and efficiency and how much can we get done and how fast can we get it done. And if that bleeds over into how we function in community groups, that is not a healthy thing for us. Community groups are not a place for efficiency. Empathy, when it comes up against efficiency, should always trump it. Pastor John Piper said, this he said don't make your mercy to the downcast contingent on quick results like don't make your mercy to them be contingent on quick results sometimes god lets burdens stay and somebody may bring up the same thing again and again and again and again but think of yourself and the lord how many times have you brought the same burdens to him again and again and again and does he ever say to you enough I've heard of it enough. Like, I don't want to hear another time. Like, stop coming to me with that. He doesn't, right? He, he didn't just say, come to me, you who are heavy laden once when he was on this earth. The resurrected Jesus still says that to us. Come again and again and again. And group members should feel freedom and encouragement to come again and again and again with their burdens. And we should not prize efficiency over empathy. And the last thing I would say 
is just point out what should be obvious in this text, but I think could be missed, is that Paul tells them to, not just to hear one another's burdens, but to bear one another's burdens. I think sometimes we content ourselves with just hearing them. Oh, man, I listened. Like, I'm really sorry about that. And then we do nothing to try to help them. As if our job is done, that I'm just to be a listening ear. But we are to be much more than just listening ears, right? Bearing a burden is more than just seeing somebody weighed down, right? That guy who blew by that runner, he saw the burden, didn't care, right? But bearing a burden means that you actually do something to try to help. And you may not know what that is. You may need guidance from the Lord over time. But at minimum, as we hear the burdens of people, we can pray for them, right? Pray in their presence, Pray privately to the Lord before them. Seek to find ways to practically care for them. That could look like making a meal for them. It, it could mean people have done this. I've known, and I so appreciate things like going to the doctor with someone if they're very nervous or anxious about something. It could mean helping with housework. It could mean babysitting for people. It could mean being generous to somebody who's in financial need. It could look like all sorts of things, but care practically for them, and then check in with them. Like actually bring it back around at the next group or call them or text them during the week to let them know that you haven't forgotten, that you actually do care about them, not just in that moment, but you care about them as a person. Because when they go back home, that burden may be lighter now that they share with you, but it's still there. And you need to be attentive to that and show care for them. And reading and preparing for this week, uh, I was reminded of a a friendship that I have greatly appreciated. I've learned from watching many of you be friends of one another and of me, but a historical example of friendship that has meant a lot to me was the friendship of two men back in the 18th century. Uh, Some of you know who the first one is, John Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace, uh, amongst other things, and his friend named William Cooper, who you might not know as well, but he was a hymn writer as well, uh, wrote like God moves in a mysterious way and he wrote there is a fountain filled with blood these these two men were friends Uh, I'd encourage you to read some about their friendship William Cooper was a man who had deep mental health struggles like he he was suicidal for decades of his life and many people would have looked at him as an inconvenience or as as someone that they would just get frustrated with or or want to run away from but John Newton befriended him cared for him for decades and even when the Lord moved him on he would write letters to him he would check in on him they had this sweet friendship and John Newton knew the the love of God for him the friendship of Christ for him that had been demonstrated on the cross and he wanted to show that to his friend William Cooper and William Cooper did in return but John Newton that famous hymn writer he wrote this and then we're going to sing a song that that fleshes us out he said the Lord gives us a dear friend to our comfort but ere long we forget that the friend is, the, is only the channel of conveyance and that all the comfort is from himself. What he was trying to say is friendship is a gift. Fellow burden bearers are gifts to us, but they are gifts to us from Jesus. As they come and bear burdens with us, Jesus himself is doing that, but he's doing it through them. Uh, we have friends in this church. We have friends in our community groups who can bear burdens with us, but they are doing it on behalf of Jesus Right, that the great burden bearer, the one who took our burdens to the cross and took them uh, with him there to die in our place and has been raised now and who continues to bear our burdens, he does it through our brothers and sisters. And so may we share our burdens and may we bear each other's burdens.